Easy World, Easy World is your man, Aunt Boogie. Don't worry about the name. Get used to the voice. And it's another episode of Keeping the Towel. Thank you so much for tuning in and rocking and vibing with me. As always, it's a blessing to have you here with me. And yes, I am back in the building. And as we know, y'all, it's a new day. It's a new hour. It's a new second. It's a new month. And with that new month comes another round. And in that round, I want to make sure you still have your towel with you. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're not in our rounds in the arena with the crowd cheering us on. We are now in the sparring gym, and you already know, once we in the sparring gym, that means Boogie got an incredible guest with him who's going to be joining me in the sparring ring. So, ladies and gentlemen, from all the way from Augusta, Georgia, home of the Georgia Bulldogs, shouts out to the national champs, my girl, Miss Tiana White. Miss Tiana, are you in the building? Yes, I am. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, folks, she's here. She's here. And, man, you're going to get a chance to hear her story. You're going to get a chance to hear why she still keeps her towel despite the things that she's gone through. And, boy, you're gonna, you're not going to believe the stuff that she has to say. So, ladies and gentlemen, y'all already know how it is. Go ahead, grab a chair, and go ahead and sit around this ring. Miss White, get in your mouthpiece. Go ahead, get in your last instructions. And we are going to go to the center of the ring and touch gloves. Because, ladies and gentlemen, it is Boogie and Tiana for this round. This fight, this sparring session has officially started. Let's get it. So, Tiana, put people on. Let's step in the time machine. Let us know where it all started for you. All right. So, um, my journey started back in 2019. I had weight loss surgery. December 17, 2019. I'll never forget it. It changed my life. So, I had weight loss surgery. I'm engaged at the time. Surgery went well. Everything was cool. Got up doing what I was supposed to do. Um, the day that I was supposed to get discharged, I was having like these crazy, crazy, crazy pains in my in my stomach. And I'm like, it's, it's, it was just like unbearable. It's like the worst thing you could have ever felt. Worse than childbirth. The nurses was like, nah, you good, you good. You just probably drank too much water. And I'm like, nah, something else is going on. So I eventually passed out. I don't remember a whole lot after that situation, but I'm gonna tell you everything that my family told me and I trust what they say. Because of the surgery, I got a blood clot in my intestine, my small intestine. So they had to take out 90% of my small intestine. On top of that, there was some other things going on. So I had three surgeries in one week. They took a couple of things out, you know, things of that nature. So as a result, I was put into um, an induced about a week and a half. Uh, I was in ICU. They told my mom and my dad and my stepdad, you know, um, you guys might want to look into making arrangements. We're not sure. You know, it was a lot of things going on with my health that happened. And um, so in the coma for a week and a half, came out in ICU for a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, finally was released right before the pandemic. Uh, I was released from the hospital February 2nd, 2020. So I got home right before the pandemic hit. And, you know, I got home and I'm thinking, you know, everything's cool. Life's going to be normal. Well, this hit the fan even harder. So <laughs> I get home. I hadn't really talked to my fiance a lot during that time because, you know, we had some personal things going on. You know, my mother didn't care for him that much. But I did talk to him a couple of times and um, I got home, I'm, you know, trying to recover. And my homegirl hits me like, girl, I don't, you know, I don't want to tell you this, but this is what's going on. Your fiance got somebody else while you was in, you know, in the coma. So I'm like, what? 
you know, I'm, at this point, I'm like, this, this is, this can't be true. Like, where's Ash? What is it, Ashton Kutcher? What that show he had, Punked or something? I'm like, nah. Where's he at? In the closet? In the bathroom? Where's he at? You know what I mean? Because I'm like, this cannot be true. It was true. I went to Facebook. They got married. They got green outfits on. You know, like matching outfits. You know, looking a hot ass mess. But that's neither here nor there. But you know how you are when you see your. You like, yeah, okay. You know, you definitely went down. But anyway, but I had to put that emotionally on hold because my my health was going downhill. I was losing weight like I was supposed to, but I was losing weight too fast. I couldn't eat. I was you know vomiting every day. It was so bad that I had to go on what's called TPN, and TPN is basically putting an in your your vein and they feed you your nutrition in a bag in your in your vein 24 hours a day but you're at home so wow. I, I had to deal with that uh keep in mind my family's from maryland i had nobody here but my 13 year old at the time she was 13 stuff was just going down like it was going down like i, I at one point i was like god i don't even want to be here no more just take me now i was in a lot of pain eventually it, it got so bad i was in a wheelchair could not walk could not, could not write, could not bathe myself, could not, you know, needed assistance with everything. I lost my house, I lost my car, I couldn't work, you know what I mean? Things just really went downhill, you know, and I had to move back home with my parents. Now my dad is from Boston, so I had to move to Boston with him. You know, imagine being 37 or 38, and you, you know, you've been on your own since you were 16, or, you know, 17. And now you back home with your parents. It's different. You know what I mean? It's different. They got rules. You you grown, but it's still my house. So I had to, you know, um, push through that. And I was super depressed, man. Like, super depressed because um, my daughter had to help me bathe. You know, there was times when I couldn't, you know, I would go to the restroom on myself. Just, just different wild, crazy things as far as your health is concerned um, that you would kind of expect from somebody that, you know, might be older or things like that. And I just kind of gave up. Be 20, I gave up. Like, I was mad. I was mad at God. I was mad at my family, the doctors, everybody. And um, I got to the end of 2020, and I was talking to my aunt. My birthday is December 31st, and I was talking to my aunt, and I'm like, you know, this is the worst birthday I ever had in my life. You know what I mean? And um, she just kind of told me, like, bruh, you got a lot to be thankful for. You know, you can't stay in this space for the rest of your life. Like, you're not walking because you don't want to walk. And I got mad because I'm like, if the doctor's saying I can't walk, which I couldn't, you know, I couldn't stand up and do different things. And that this is just what it is. I'm going to be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. You know, that's just that. But I learned so much about myself. I'm going to get back to that. But eventually I... Uh, I had to I had to get over that. Like I had to push through. Like I had to say to myself, like, you you can't do this. You can't you can't stay here. This is not what God intended you to do. This you got so many things doing this earth to help other people. Cause that's my passion. Like I love making people laugh, just making people happy. If if anything, I don't care. If you first time meeting me or you met me a thousand times, one thing you're gonna say is Tiana, Tiana made me laugh. She a fool. You know what I'm saying? So um, I pushed through that. Like, I, I really pushed through that. And in pushing through that, I learned a lot about myself. Prior to the surgery, I was real pompous. Um, I was arrogant. I was mean to the people that worked for me, my family. I was not a good friend. I was not a good listener. And everything was about me. I learned a lot about myself. And, and what ended up happening is uh, I had to go back to those people that I didn't treat right and apologize, like it was a lot of people, you know what I mean? It, and that apologize, like, hey, what's up, you know, my bad, no. 
I'm talking about like get into detail and acknowledge what I did to them. And that in and of itself is like challenging. Cause like who, you know, we're not wired like that. You know what I mean? We, you know, we like to push things to the side and say, well, I did this because this, and, you know, I got these issues that happened when I was a kid. So it made me the way I am, blah, 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 blah. But I had to do it, not just for them, but for me, but I still learned another lesson in that. I went to a couple of people and they wasn't trying to hear it. You know what I mean? They like, all right, you know, but I still don't want you in my life. And that that was challenging too. It was really challenging because you you go with the intentions of making everything right and perfect. But I had to learn that just because you ready to move past something or you ready to heal. And this is no, you know, not talking about the people that didn't forgive me, but you got to respect what people are. And if the damage is done, then the damage is done. You got to allow them to, uh, put that bridge back together if they want to, and and it, and it taught me a lot about rejection because I don't I didn't used to deal good with uh, deal good with rejection. Mm. So because I thought if since I was bearing my soul, everything was going to be all well and it wasn't, and and that was that was difficult. But even in that, I had to learn not to stay there either. I had Tiana, you're doing this one because it's the right thing to do, and you're doing it you know for yourself. Give them time if they want to come back. And if they don't, you got to be okay with that because you made that situation. So I was dealing with that, dealing with my own emotions, uh, dealing with, um, like I told you when we first talked, I'm really big into clothes and I expect, express myself through clothes. Um, some people express it through their head, nails, whatever. I'm really big into clothes. I like to look nice. Before I had the surgery, I could afford whatever I wanted. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't a big deal. But for 10 months, I call them Papa Grants, uh, Papa sweatsuits. You know, the sweatsuits is at Walmart. You know, the ones with the elastic going around the ankle. You know, I, I, wore, I wore those and the little, uh, didn't have no, you know, it wasn't sexy. It wasn't like a, you know, a cute little sweatsuit. You know, my father bought me some old baggy ass, Grandpa sweatsuits and they were burgundy. Like he bought me six burgundy sweatsuits. Like he didn't even give me no he didn't even give me no seat. You know what I'm saying? He didn't say, okay, you know, um, here's blue, here's gray, black, you know what I'm saying? So I'm looking dirty. I'm looking like I wear the same sweatsuit. You know, if somebody see me, I'm wearing the same sweatsuits every day. You know what I mean? And um <laughs> and uh when I went to uh I went to physical therapy in the hospital for about five weeks. I used to wear these boots on my feet because I couldn't walk, but they didn't want your ankle to go the opposite way, you know, since you can't walk, they want to keep them straight. So I wore these little boots that they gave me, hospital boots. But they were like, yeah, we need you to get some tennis shoes. So I'm I'm on, I'm online. I'm like, yeah, dad, because they got the New Balance outlet in Boston. I'm like, yeah, give me these, these cute, give me these little things, you know. You know, but my feet were swollen. So I'm like, give me a size 10. And this dude, at the time, you couldn't come into the hospital. So if you were dropping something off, you had to leave it at the front desk and they would bring it up to you. So they brought me a bag, you know what I mean? I'm all excited and you know, I'm like, okay, maybe he just put it in a grocery bag because he, he messed up the other bag, whatever. Open it, man. He bought me some Papa sweat, I mean, Papa uh, tennis shoes from Walmart. I'm talking about like the big, the big boat joints. Not like it didn't have no name on it. It had no name. It just was blue and white. And you know what I'm talking about, the big joints, you know, with somebody who got big ass feet. And he bought me like, and it was a men's, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't like even the women's big game. It was a men's. And so I spent therapy in those. I couldn't get my hair done. My hair was a hot mess. And, you know, I, they took pictures of me and stuff, you know, and I just look, to me, I just look horrible, but it taught me a whole lot. Like it taught me that the things that I have 
don't make me. I, I I can't make a person like me more because I look nice or because I bought this or because I got, you know, a $2,000 bag on or something like that. Yeah, I, people got to like me for who I am, whether I look a hot mess or not. And I got to be accepted first. So I was learning about um, humility. Um, I learned about self-love. I learned about patience, forgiveness during this time. And once I kind of got all of that together and let my pride go, then I started to walk. I can't explain it. It's like, it. it I, I just one day was like, I'm going to do this. I was scared as hell because you always had that thing. If I'm a fall, I just started. Like I, I got this therapist and I came home from the hospital, got another therapist at home. Dude was fine as hell too. I never, I don't want to say his name because we like friends and stuff. He married well, but he was, when I first seen him, I didn't know he was married, but he was fine. I'm like, bruh, this dude done seen me in a diaper. He done seen me in these burgundy sweatpants, these pawpaw, you know, tennis shoes. And we developed a friendship. And I asked him the first day, I said, you know, do you think I'm going to be able to walk ever again? He said, you'll be walking. He was like, I'm going to get you to walk. Him telling me that, you know, my family had been telling me that, but somebody on the outside telling me that and encouraging me through, through the process. It, it, you know, it, it just gradually started to happen. It took time, you know, I stand up. I was able to go to the bathroom in the wheelchair by myself. You know, just basic things. I was able to wash my face because my hands were messed up too. And, um, you know, starting to do more for myself. And and it felt good, you know what I mean? It felt like, okay, I'm, I'm pushing to get my life back. Nobody's doing this. Only person that's doing this is God and my will to do it. You know, I got tired of being tired. I really just started walking good i'm gonna say uh june 2021 like now i'm fine i don't want to say fine because i haven't been on the disability side of things i don't like to use that term because what is fine your fine is different than my fine but i'm able to walk no issues no cane no walker you know can walk for a long time you know just like i was before it you know it took time but at some point you in your mind you got to say do I want to stay here? And I got tired. I got tired of being miserable. I got tired of being hurt. I got tired of thinking nobody was going to love me because I look like this, because I don't have a job, because I lost my house, I lost my car. I said, you know, the hell with it. You know, God be here for a reason. And I learned so much about myself. Um, people always ask me this, like, in hindsight, you know, would you do it again? I'm going to be honest and keep it real. I probably wouldn't want to have, I wouldn't want it to happen this way. I would want to learn more about myself. But then again, I, I don't know what else could happen. So I, I'm, I'm kind of up in the air with that. But I do thank God um, that he taught me a lot about myself. The only reason why I got through is because of him, uh, my daughter, and my family, and my support system, and just trusting that wasn't the end for me. It also taught me another thing, too. I have more sensitivity towards people with disabilities, you know what I mean? Because, you know, just taking for granted, like, you know how you drive to the store and you might, you know, roll up to the uh, handicapped space and park and say, I'm, I'm running in and run out. Mm -hmm. it, it affects a person who has a mm -hmm. disability, you know, yeah. if they got a wheelchair to walk or different things. So, um, long story short, Sure, I learned so much about myself. I learned to love myself. And I can be honest, I'm, I'm people might not believe me. This is the house I've ever been in my life. Everything that I lost has been restored. You know, I, I, I learned to forgive myself first, trust in God, forgive people I felt like they weren't there, um, forgive my ex-fiance. You know, just be try to be a witness to everybody to let them know it's possible. You know, it might not, it might not look like you want it to look. It might not happen like you want it to happen, but it's possible. And the first things first, we always say this, but we really got to drill in our minds to be okay with who we are. Like, you got to be okay with who you are. I'm a lot smaller now. I was 315 when I had the surgery. I'm probably 200 now. 
I had insecurities then as a plus size woman and I have insecurities now. I want to say it doesn't change because it has to be a mind thing. Being smaller, yeah, of course, I can I can get, you know, uh, I'm privy more, going to more stores and getting small outfits, cool. But there's still an insecurity there too because now I feel different about my body and that's something that's continue, continuing to learn that about my body and different things. So it's all a mental thing. It's all in what you want to do and, and trusting in yourself and forgiving yourself. If I, if I hadn't have forgave myself, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here. I would have died where I was you know what I mean so wow yeah good that's round one of this sparring <laughs> session right there and now we're gonna head into round two of this sparring session so yeah man Tiana already came out heavy hitting that's cool we're gonna hit yeah. back we're gonna hit back when you took on this surgery and during the time of your recovery um you said you went to Boston be mm -hmm. with your pops explain what that relationship was like and what did that do while you were there what your relationship was before and what did you learn about Tiana and dad out there in Boston so first thing uh, the relationship between me and my dad before I got there he was the fun dad um I grew up with my mom my dad was with me up until I think when I was eight then they got divorced you know long story and then he came back around when I was 16. um so my dad was the fun dad he was the buy stuff dad he was the weekend dad he was the pay for the most expensive dad you know, he was fun dad, you know, so when he came down from Boston to visit me in Maryland, we had fun, you know, money was no, no issue with him. We, whatever I wanted, I could get. Holidays, birthdays, Christmas, I'm the only child. He was, my mom would get everything, but he would be the one that got the super, super expensive cause she did stuff during the year. So I would ask him for the super gift. So that's all I knew of my dad. We had a good relationship. We would talk. I love my dad so much because he was fun dad. And that's all I knew. Um, when I got to Boston, I saw a different side of my, my father. Um, it's different when you live with people that you haven't lived with. And there's a different, it created a different relationship. I learned some things and I'm not trying to talk negative about him, but I learned some things about my father that I just don't care for. And things that uh, my father learned about me that he just didn't care for. Mm. And we, it was difficult for us because we started to clash. My father is super uh, aggressive. And I think it's, I want to say it's maybe that Northern mentality. So the way that he talked to me, it, it was it was hurtful to me. You know what I mean? And I'm not super sensitive, but I just didn't like the way he talked to me. And somebody talked to me like that at that time, I would shut down because when you do that, I just then I would just shut down. I wouldn't express myself. I just shut down and just ignore you. So it was a big it was a tug and pull with us. He didn't understand me. I didn't understand him. And we just we never tried to. We tried, but there was no meeting in the middle. The more I tried to do to try to work the situation, the rejection was there. You know what I'm saying? But I, what I learned is it was it was like an aha moment. All the relationships, every relationship I can look back on with the exception of one um, that I've ever been in, I can compare the guys to my dad because I was always fighting for their attention. I was always trying to prove myself like, hey, hey, be with me. I'm good enough. You know what I mean? I do this. I do that. I'm a good woman. Da, 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 da. And that's how it was growing up with my father. It's always like I had to not, not that he openly said that, but it's like I had to please him because I wanted his attention. I would get his attention in, in spurts like this. You know, we would talk uh, a couple of times a week, you know, what, what do you think? Five, 10 minutes. And I would see him every couple of months and he would just send stuff. You know what I'm saying? Just send money, whatever I needed, he would just send it. And that's the type of man that I gravitated towards. Um, I dated a lot of guys that didn't have problems spending money, 
or doing things for me, not that I asked, but they, I, I couldn't get their attention. From that situation, it just, I was like, okay, I gotta change this. And it, going all the way back, it pulled me back to when I had my surgery, why I had my surgery. Um, when I look at my, my old pictures, I see a really beautiful woman, but I see a woman who does not know her worth. And I'm not talking about just beautiful from a physical point. I'm talking about just inside out, just really doesn't know her worth and is trying to put all of this together and piece all this, be a mom, be a daughter, be a good friend, work, take it, you know what I mean? Just all these things that she really didn't know herself. Um, and she tried to find herself in different men, you know, in different relationships and just didn't know her worth. And so um, from that experience, it really taught me a lot about my relationships. I was not expecting that. Um, to learn that, but I did, you know, and now me and my dad, we, um, we'll, you know, we talk, but it's, it's not the same, you know, still ongoing process for us. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm just an where, um, I just need my space, you know, for my dad. I just need my space. I'm hurt about some things, um, that he knows about that I've tried to, you know, talk to him about, but it's just not connected. And so right now, instead of arguing and doing all of that, I let a person know how I feel. And if we need space, we need space. We can come back around to it. But um, I got to set boundaries. But it really taught me a lot about the men that I deal with, a lot. You know what I mean? I could see my father and each man that I dealt with in my, all, you know, my dating years. You said that you was vying for his attention. Was that due to the fact that you two had a distant relationship in terms of literally distance? Like, hey, he's yeah. on this side and I'm on that side. So it's like, as you said, he just sent whatever, like, hey, dad is like this, like, basically yeah. like the friend, like the dad friend, like we see many yes. probably become. Yeah. Do you think yeah. that was the reason for it? Absolutely. Um, My mother's my best friend, but she's the more um disciplinary one growing up. My mother didn't take nothing. You know what I mean? And I thank God for that, that she didn't let me do wild, crazy stuff. But my dad was the person... Um, I could talk to, you know what I mean? Um, as a matter of fact, I, I had to, uh, I had I had some health issues going on uh, when I probably was in my late 20s. I didn't want to tell my mom. And my dad flew down here and helped me, you know what I mean? And, and and you know, did that. He was a more fun dad. I mean, I couldn't, do, we, I didn't disrespect him or nothing, but I dad freely about different things that I wasn't comfortable talking to my mom about because I didn't want to hear him out. My dad was more like, well, you know, you got to be you. That's my father's thing. You got to be you. And a person's just going to say yes or no. So those two things I learned from my dad. Either person will say yes or no, and you got to be you. So, and but yeah, that definitely contributed to it. Here it is now. Dad basically did his best in yeah. helping you and getting you some um, some boats and, um, and yeah. some, some jumpsuits. But when you got those, even though you were a person who prided yourself in dress, and dressing did you still appreciate him because it's like all right hey my man tried or was it like this fool here i'm gonna be honest with you um i didn't appreciate i didn't appreciate it because mm -hmm. i felt like my dad this is just me mm -hmm. um i just felt like my dad was punishing me I, I do i feel like why so why do you feel he was punishing you because at that point i wasn't really doing what the doctors told me to do i wasn't really doing what therapy told me to do i, I had given up and he couldn't accommodate um, the mental aspect of what was going on. All he could accommodate and understand was the physical, but he mentally, he couldn't connect with, there was a disconnect with me and my healing process. So I think this is just me. I just feel like my dad bought that 
stuff because he was punishing me. I really do. I feel like he he knows how I am. He knows what I like. I think he did it to push me, thinking to push me to do better. And it kind of knocked me back to a certain extent. You know what I mean? And did you shut off from him during your therapy session? Did you shut off from him, family? Did you shut like mentally shut off from everybody? I did. When I went to physical therapy, I was away from the house for five weeks and my daughter was there. That was difficult because I missed her. She's what keeps me rolling. I, I didn't talk to, I, my dad would call to check up on me. I really didn't talk to him. I kind of dove into my mom because my mom understood the mental aspect of what's going on. I, um, I couldn't do anything physically because mentally I just wasn't there. I think I had checked out, if that makes sense. Um, and when people say that, honestly, I, I, I literally checked out. I was there, but I wasn't there. And so um, that that was a that was difficult. So I checked out from him as well. So in hindsight, I didn't I didn't appreciate it. You know what I mean? I, I did not appreciate what he did because I just felt like he was punishing me. How long you were in Boston for? I was in Boston for nine months. Okay, nine months. So now mm -hmm. nine months of, of therapy, and now you make your way back mm -hmm. to Georgia, correct? Well, after the nine months with my dad, I went to stay with my mom for three months. You go ahead and you go to Maryland. This is another part of your recovery. Mm -hmm. What did this do now between Tiana and mom? My mom was a healing place mentally. And emotionally, um, when I when I came home, well, I moved back with my mom. I was walking and stuff. I didn't need a cane or anything. Um, you know, I was walking a little slow and learning to. Uh, at that time, I was learning to wear regular shoes. You know, what kind of shoes helped me? And you know, with feeling, because uh, the condition I have, I don't have feeling in my feet, in my hands. Um, most of the time. So it's kind of weird. I'll, I'll explain that later. But um, yeah, so I was walking and stuff, but it was more of a healing process. It's like my mom's house was love. You know what I mean? It was peace there. And I had done the physical part, but I needed the healing here. I needed to cry. I needed to be honest. I needed to, it's almost like pull some dead skin off. And that's where I did that with her. Even being with her is difficult because again, I'm grown. You know what I'm saying? And moms, as much they mean well. And I understand from a mother's point of view. Um, and my mother's into the church. She's an apostle. And my stepfather, or my bonus dad, I don't call him my stepfather. He's a bishop. And so, you know, they prayed for me, kept me uplifted. And I thank God for that. But I still was trying to find my way. So even with that, getting back up on my feet, you know, there was some little tips there that we had. We, you know, get on each other's nerves, but we moved past because um, I'm gonna be honest. Uh, when I was in that coma, the only reason why I remember it is because I remember being in a coma. I could hear people talking, and I'm like, y'all, I'm here. Like, don't let me go. Whatever's going on, I'm here, and I could feel my mother's presence. I don't know if she touched me or what, but I could feel her presence. And I remember in that coma. I'm like, I remember telling God. God, just let me get through this because they can't hear me. You know what I mean? I'm here. I don't want them to think that I'm not here. I'm here. And so um, me and my mother had that type of connection. So that with her, it was a process. Then I was able to, you know, she helped me with my self-esteem. Uh, my body looked different. Uh, I was probably maybe 130 pounds uh, coming from 315. So physically, I, I felt like I didn't look good, you know, and I didn't feel comfortable. And so that place with her those three months, it was a healing process where I was loved on, you know, we talked about stuff. I mean, deep things that I didn't address. You know, she pulled my co my coattail on stuff that I needed to work on, on a deal with. 
you know, so it wasn't just like, oh, you know, making me feel like, you know, just a little baby, but telling me the truth, like, you need to get this together. It prepared me to move back home. I mean, move back to Augusta. So would you say that yeah. was basically the launch of now Tiana had to start healing Tiana and yes. facing Tiana? So would you say yeah. that's where it launched from? Yeah. 90 days. For some, if you're able by, that's quick. But when you're rehabbing, that's not quick. That's a long that's time. A long yeah. time. Right. Yeah. There it is now, 90 days. You you had to deal with that for nine months, then mom with 90 days. And now here it is. Tiana has to come back, hit a flight or drive whichever way to come back home now. Yeah. Tiana, yeah, now you have to go ahead and deal with the one opponent that you don't want to deal with, Tiana. Mm -hmm. Right. Explain to me what was that like when Tiana got in her house, she's on her bed. Nobody's around her. When we um we drove down, because I had a lot of stuff. We drove down. When I got sick, my mom left Augusta because I knew I was coming back, so it was in storage. We drove down and I got my um new house and you know, all the paperwork was done and you know, things just was was flowing. Like it was it's almost it was predestined because I, I questioned when I was in recovery, what's gonna happen to me? Cause I, I do not like Boston. I love it to visit, to eat the food and stuff but I do not want to be there. Um, Maryland, I grew up in Maryland. I'm, I'm a PG County girl all day, every day. I love my city, I love where I'm from, but I don't want to be there. You know, I, I, I've been around too much, so I know it's different. But when I got home, we got the keys to the house. Uh, uh, the paperwork was taken care of. Everything was settled. Uh, my mom had came, did the house, and we got things set up, and my daughter was at peace, and she started school, you know, almost immediately, and I got her comfortable um, probably about three weeks in. And you're right, I was sitting, and I just I just cried because I'm like, I cried because I was so thankful, but I was terrified. Wow. I was terrified because it was always in the back of my mind, you know, because I'm still rehabbing. I can walk. But I can't lift, at this time, I can't lift heavy things. So I need assistance. Walking to the trash can is a long walk for me. Might not be a long walk for you, but it's a long walk for me. And I'm worried because what happens if I fall? What, you know, then I fall, I get a blood clot and I gotta go to the hospital. What if I get sick? And I'm just in my mind, I'm gonna, this is gonna happen all over again. It's gonna be snatched for me. And you know, at that point, it was difficult. The first maybe two months, it was difficult. I lived in fear. I, I didn't really want to go anywhere because I'm like, if something happened to me, then what? It's going to start all over. And then I got to a point where I said, you know what? Oh, and that, this is a bit, another big thing. I looked different and I was afraid for somebody to see me. Mm. I didn't want them to see me and think, I didn't want to hear the, oh, you okay? Or you were you sick? Or did you have surgery? You know what I mean? Because you look different physically. And I, I didn't want to hear that. Don't make sense. Don't ask me because I had the surgery to lose weight. I don't know. It made sense to me then. And I didn't want no, I didn't want anybody to see me. I didn't want my ex fiance to see me and think I looked a mess and different things like that. And I was afraid, you know, and I really didn't get to enjoy the first couple of months. And then all of a sudden I just said, you know what? To hell with this. I'm not going to live in fear. Uh, God brought me all this way for a reason. I'm not going to sit in my house and whoever the hell see me or they don't like it or they want to make a comment about I look like I lost weight. It is what it is. You know what I mean? I accept me for me. And that's when I stopped caring. I really stopped caring, not in a, a, a nasty way, but I just stopped caring. I said, you know what? If any way I could tell my story or share my story with somebody to help them be a better person, I'm going to do it. You know what I mean? 
I'm going to do it. Once I did that, I started to settle in. You know, I started going out, meeting different people, being more social. Me and my daughter, that's my ace boom coon, but you know, we started doing more together. I got involved with her school. I'm like the vice president president of the PTA. Don't ask me, because that wasn't my thing. But, you know, I got involved. I'm more open to experiences. I wrote a letter to my, so myself okay. when I was 30. Yeah, I, I got it over there if you want me to read it. It says, Lord, this isn't the full required seed, but it's sacrifice. And I thank you that I had it to make. Lord, I'm sowing, I'm sowing this seed for where I'm going. It's so easy to focus on now, but it had, but I have desires in my heart to be married to a God-fearing man, have more children, be financially well off, travel the world, and to be in or in television slash the movie industry, and to be a successful businesswoman, and to be a relevant advocate for women through the use of your word. Lord, give me direction. I feel lost because I feel lost at times, but I know you're always my comforter. Lord, I would like to be 200 pounds by the time I'm 30. Provide me with the tools and the knowledge, Lord. I'm also asking for a new and diverse group of friends and colleagues. Finally, Lord, I am sowing this seed for a new career. I know that you know my heart, but your will be done. I, I was 30, so this time I'm 38 or 39, 38, something like that. And there were some things that I had wanted. I prayed and I wanted, and they happened. They didn't happen the way that I wanted it to happen. But even with that, I said, you know what? I, I, I just got to strive to do better every day. I'm never going to be perfect. I'm here for a reason. And so that's when I started just getting more involved with uh, the, my community, uh, with women, anybody. I talk to any and everybody, you know what I mean? Because it's important. I think it's important for people to know that somebody cares. There was many a times, I'm gonna be honest, just being upfront, that I wanted to kill myself. There was nights um, when I took too many pills, you know, um, mm. when I was in Boston and or going through the process, you know, that wow. nobody knew about because I just didn't want to be here. You know, I had everything prepared, you know, financially, and I was being so selfish. And I'm gonna say it's selfish because it is selfish because there's people uh, that, that love you and need you. But at that time, your mind doesn't connect with that. So I just, you know, I, I just, again, I just tried to be a better person every day. And I just took one step at a time, you know, one step at a time, one step at a time, and just uh, created a community around myself of people that support me, I support them. I don't have no problem telling anybody my story. You know what I mean? And that's my goal. That's my life's goal to let people know that they're loved because there were times when, um, you know, I tried and I took pills and my grandmother would call or my aunt would call. You know what I'm saying? Or I'm about to take pills, I'm sorry. You know, they would call and just, you know, laugh, say something stupid. You know what I mean? My grandmother called me her bunny rabbit. I don't know why she called me that, but that's what she called me. You know what I mean? And so, you know, I would say, Okay, one more day, you know? And I think people need to know that. We need to have somebody uh, in our lives, whether they're there for a day or or a years, you know, to know that they're loved. Cause it only takes, you know, one comment to let people know. And suicide is real, you know what I mean? I don't even wanna uh, get all the way into that, but it's real, um, it happens. And people don't understand, but I understand. Until you're in a situation, it, it, it's really difficult for you to speak on. You know what I mean? Because I've, I've been there a couple of times. Now you were getting into this space of you were stepping out of your box. See how that's mm -hmm. now stepping out. Yeah. And you mentioned that you started to call some people. Say, hey, mm -hmm. look, I apologize how I was. I'm sorry that I was this pompous, nasty person. 
Yeah. It takes a lot of cojones to go ahead to do that. And you said yeah. that some people accepted, others didn't. Some people did. Yeah. Now, Tiana, let's go to that when you went on your contrition tour of talking to calling people and saying, "Yo, I'm sorry mm-hmm. and everything." Yeah. What prompted you to do that and what was it like when some accepted and some said, particularly when some said, so it was a humility thing. God was teaching me humility because I didn't have any. And, you know, I thought about, um, well, I, I write. So I got back to, um, I couldn't write at the time, but I got to put notes on my phone, the things that I remember that I did to people, you know, just recording it. And I would listen back and I just started calling people. And, you know, I think I can't remember. It was maybe eight maybe eight or 12 people I called and um, everything was good. Boom, 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 boom. Then I got to like the last, I'm, I'm telling you how, how God designs things. I'm feeling good. I'm like, boom, you know, like I can knock this out. Like my pride is being crushed. You know what I mean? I, I got this, God, I'm doing this, I'm doing it. And I got to somebody and I'll never forget it. And I still see this person periodically um, because the city is small. They were like, you know, I'm, I'm glad you ain't, you know, I'm glad you you didn't die. I'm glad you made it through. I heard it was, you know, bad for you, but you really treated me like crap. You know what I'm saying? When when um, I work for you and it affected me in a lot of different ways. And, you know, they explained it to me. Great communicator this person is. And, you know, it, it really messed up my career. You know, it, it really had me second thinking, second guessing myself as an individual. Wow. It's, you know, I appreciate you calling, but it kind of changed the trajectory of my life. That's what the person said. Sure. And I cried, like, I cried for weeks behind that because I felt so convicted because there was nothing <clears throat> nothing I could say. This, when I think about it in hindsight, there was nothing I could say because I had to put myself in that person's place. And even though I said things, uh, you know, at the time, I'm like, it's the truth, you know. It, it might, it may have, and it was. Some of it was the truth. No, it was the, the truth. It's the way you talk to people. It's the way you make people feel. You know what I'm saying? So uh, there was nothing I can do. And I, and uh, even to this day, we what are we? Uh, this is 2022. Even to this day, I I ask for forgiveness. I you know I can't call the person. You know I, I respect their boundaries, and I'll see them. You know out periodically, and uh, it's awkward as hell. You know what I'm saying? But I created that. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I had to take responsibility. I created that situation, not mm. them. I created. So, um, and that, and that's the consequences of it. You know, and you got to deal with that. I think that's. Yeah. I think that that's true humil- humility. When someone has to realize, yeah. like, wow, I created this, and it's so funny. I was reading that earlier today, that we have to understand the effects is due to many times of our causes. And yeah. that was the effect of the cause that you you created for I months, created years, yeah. whatever it, it was. Yeah. You go through that contrition tour and like, yo, sorry, sorry, sorry. You're still fighting you. Tiana's mm-hmm. still fighting Tiana, your daughter. So yeah. in the midst of fighting Tiana, now you have your little, your little baby. What was this battle like? Trying to yeah. defeat this, this old you coming into this new you, but then trying to develop a better relationship with your daughter my daughter and i have always been close she's like my like i said my ace boom coon and if anybody understands me i think she understands me no i know she understands me in a, a, a weird kind of way i always tell her she's not because I'm, I'm her mom but she's the best thing that ever happened to me going through what i went through i feel like i missed two years of my daughter's life 
um, she was forced to, this was, she was 13 at the time. She's 15 now. She was forced to grow up. Mm. Uh, could you imagine being 13 and, you know, have to, let's just say, bathe your dad or feed your dad, you know what I mean? Or help your dad go to the bathroom or whatever. Um, and so um, she she dealt with that. She was mature enough to deal with that because, and you got to keep in mind, when I was going through recovery in Augusta, my family wasn't here. So they would come down every, you know, every week or every other week. So during that time until they got here, she was kind of responsible for me. I felt guilty for a long time. I got back in the habit when I when we first came back to Augusta. I got back in my habit of buying stuff for her because I felt I felt guilty, you know, mm. buying, 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 mm. and talked to my grandmother about it because uh, she had a 15th birthday party and I spent. I'm not even gonna tell you how much I spent, but I spent a ton of money on her party, and she wasn't appreciative of it. And I was telling my grandmother about it, and I was. Uh, she was like, you know, you got to remember, she was forced to be an adult. She has been in three different households with three different sets of rules. Um, she watched her mother deteriorate. So you, you can't be, get back in the habit of buying and feeling guilty. She said, you got to address the guiltiness with yourself first mm. and then start to cultivate another a new relationship. She said, you can't. You got to forget everything that happened before. She said, this is a new person. She said, you, you, you jumped from 13 with her to 15. She said, there, there was no in between for you. So you don't know this person. I'm like, I do know my child. She's like, you don't. You have to relearn her. And so we just had hard talks. You know, my daughter um, is very reserved. It used to be, uh, she you had to pull teeth to get her to talk. But I would pick, I would pull, I would pull, I would poke, you know, and we had to have hard conversations about different things. And, you know, I, and I asked her forgiveness because I created this situation. I did. And it forced her to grow up. It forced her to be responsible. It forced her to take on this personality like a, a, um, a protector. And even to this day, I got to tell her, not in a, you know, not in, she's not in a disrespectful way. I'm got to mommy's going to be okay. You know, she'll say, well, mom, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to come straight. No, you live your life. Mommy's going to be okay. And I had to create that with her because now she trusted, okay, mommy's going to be okay. You know what I mean? And it took us a while. You know, she, um, I think it was a little resentment there. I think it was a little hurt. I know a lot of hurt there. I think it was a lot of uh, disappointments, a lot of emotions. We, we're in different households. She's saying people treat me a certain way. A lot of emotions, but it, we had to have hard talks. Yeah, I had to hear what she had to say. You know, she didn't say anything wild and crazy. She's a kid, but there were things that happened and uh, I didn't know about. There's memories when she was younger that I don't remember because I was asleep most of the time because I was working 16 hours a day, mm. you know, but I was giving her everything. Yeah. I was my father. Do you see what I I'm was saying? just about to ask was, that. I was my father. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So I had to, we had to create a new relationship. Now it's different. She talks, she's, she's out, uh, out of her bubble. She, uh, she's in a, a debate club. She's in a buddy club. At school. She does a book club. At school. She's engaged. I mean, this child jumped. Imagine being 15. You already late going into the school year and you're going to a new school and you in 10th grade. Like, you know, the anxiety somebody would feel like you, you know, uprooted me from the people that I know. Now I'm starting all over again with a group of people that I don't know. And she just came in and killed it. She was like, Mom, if we can get through that, we can get through this. She was like, Ain't, I'm I'm killing this. And she's doing it. You know what I mean? She's she's doing everything that a 15 year old could possibly do. 
But the key to it is we had to have hard talks about everything, any and everything. So, yeah. That's what's up. You apologize and everything. Still, what did that do to Tiana? When you apologized to her and I was like, okay, ooh, yeah. tell something about me that I got to, um, I got to unpack. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, um, it really took its toll on everybody involved. You know, mm. um, I realized that one decision I made affected 20 to 30 people directly, like my family, how my, my my dad had to change his life around to accommodate me. My mom had to change her life to accommodate me. My daughter didn't have a mom for two years because I really was like, I'm not trying to be funny, but just looped out because I just had this going on. I mean, I was there physically, but I just wasn't there. I couldn't be the mom that she needed me to be. It really taught me that it hurt me that my one decision affected everybody. And my grandmother had always told me that she was like, you got to be mindful of the decisions you make because everybody. But being the only child, I don't have any cousins. It's just always been about me. It's just always been I've been always the center of attention with my family. It's, it's, it was a process like I, I really realized I wasn't the best person. Now I wasn't horrible, horrible just out here and I'm not making excuses. I mean, I was nice, but I wasn't nice. You know what I'm saying? I I, I could have been a better person to everybody, my friends, uh, you know, uh, my parents, different things like that. And so it was an ongoing process in 2021. Not so much to show people that I changed, but to say, you know what, this is who I was. I ain't got to be that person no more. And to forgive myself, I had to. 2021, I spent the latter part of that doing that, trying to forgive myself. And then, you know, at some point, um, saying, you know what? I did these things. I've apologized. I've done the very best that I know how to do. Now I got to pick up the pieces and move into the next uh, chapter of my life. I had to. Yes. You know what I mean? The people, uh, the person that didn't forgive me, I had to say, you know what? I did my part. I got to give them time. But I can't stay there. I gotta, you know what I'm saying? And I pray that they don't stay there. You know what I mean? So 2021, I spent the latter part accepting more and learning how to forgive myself and piece everything back together, what I could, you know what I mean? And embracing my new life, you know what I mean? When you went to finding out with your ex-fiance oh, yeah. out there and everything, <laughs> and that he went ahead, got married to your chagrin and surprise, mm. what was that period like? Because I know you was in a raise period course yeah so what was that period like and then when did you decide to snap out of it and what did you do to right come to terms so it happened so it happened i think february uh february march between february and march of 2020 uh when covid first hit when i first heard about it i was pissed i was hurt I, no not pissed i was devastated but in my mind I was so sick at the time, I couldn't focus. And I put it in the back of my mind. I was angry, I was mad. I talked, you know, get on the phone with my girls, talk stuff, all that. But I really didn't uh, emotionally, I didn't really uh, mentally acknowledge it. Then when I went through a lot of different things, it came up again and I had to address it because I hadn't addressed it. I was hurt, I was devastated. Um, this is a person that um, I'm very private when it comes to my relationship with well, when I was dating. Uh, I'm not one of them people every every other year I got a new person on New Bay on Facebook. I, that's just ain't my, that's just not my thing. I'm not knocking people who do, but it just wasn't my thing because I felt like 
the person that I want to share with the public is going to be, I want to say, I don't, I don't want to say against my better judgment, but I put it out there. As a matter of fact, right before I went into surgery, we had our uh, engagement party, like a month before that. And, you know, we had let people know we were getting, getting ready to send out, pay for invitations. We had found a venue. So this was real. It wasn't like we had been engaged, you know, and, and weren't nothing was in motion. We were we were actively doing this. Uh, we had set a date, all of that. And so I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. As far as um, relationships with men, that was the most difficult situation I ever, I've ever experienced. It was heartbreaking. And it wasn't so much heartbreaking because, um, and I mean this in the right way, I hope I say it the right way, because I loved him or I wanted to really be with him um, because it was more because of the betrayal, because we were friends. And I thought that this person, even if, if you, I'm fine with whatever a person wanna do, I'd rather you tell me up front, let me be pissed, and we just go and do our thing. I can respect that. But I felt betrayed because there was a friend of mine. We were friends. And I didn't understand, like, how you meet somebody? My question was, how you meet somebody and you get engaged and then you putting it all, you know, out on social media, like, and you didn't tell me. You know what I'm saying? You didn't tell me. He actually called my friend, my friend, and told my friend to let me know. Oh, whoa. Yeah. And um, she was like, well, you don't think you need to tell Well, she's, you know, she's sick and I don't want to, I don't want to devastate her, but I can't. He's, he said, these were his, his, his words. I can't stop my life because she's sick and I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm not capable of taking care of somebody that's sick. So I, you know, I can't, I can't do it. And that's fine. Right. That, you know, it ain't for everybody. That's fine. But I should have known first. I was devastated. I was hurt. I was pissed. I went to the Facebook page. I talked about her. I talked about the kids. I talked about everybody. You know what I'm saying? Comparison, things like that. And, you know, talk stuff about him. He wasn't this, he wasn't that. I had to learn uh, because I couldn't get closure from him. Because I talked to him. I had to get closure on my own. And that was hard. I had never experienced that. Because I saw something on a pastor. He was like, well, waiting for somebody to give you closure on something is waiting is giving them the right to you know dictate your life because he he likened it unto what if the person died how do you get closure from somebody that's dead you do you stop there because they passed away you can't you have to figure out a way and i had to navigate that i had to um speak the truth i had to tell god how i felt I had to be honest. I had to be pissed some days, over some days. And it was a process. It, it, it took a long time. And when I got back here, he found out that I was uh, in Augusta and uh, he reached out to me. And at this time I had healed. I wasn't, I wasn't angry anymore. I forgave him. It didn't sting in my heart. You know what I mean? And I, I had to do that with God on my own. And that was hard because I didn't have the answers. I didn't know why he did it. I didn't know you know, was she a better person than me? I didn't know if they were dating when we were engaged. I didn't know any of that. So I had to do it on my own and be okay with, if I never get an answer, am I going to stop my life here? And so a couple of months into me being back, he reached out to me. I was okay. Like we talked, he, you know, cried and explained what he did wrong and all of this stuff. And he was like, you know, I know that this is, I know you're still angry with me. And I told him I wasn't. I said, I'm not angry with you. I said, I'm disappointed. I was disappointed, but I'm not angry with you. And he was like, so, you know, I'm trying to give you closure. I said, no, I already got closure. Not in a nasty way, but I already got closure. Like I couldn't wait for you to give me closure. I had to move on with my life. We talked, I actually saw him, you know, on the street. I gave him a, a hug and a pound, nothing, you know, in a 
appropriate. And that's that was that. You know what I mean? That was that. There's nothing. There's nothing there. You know what I mean? And I had to do that all by myself, and it hurt. It was a hell of a process. Now that you went through all that, and seeming to be that phase of closure, when did Tiana finally come to the space where she decided to forgive? herself and come to terms with herself hmm. um honestly i think on my 39th birthday my I, like i said my birthday is december 31st so my birthday this past year no i'm really big on my birthday and doing a lot of things it's new year's eve and my my friends and family they do stuff for me and everybody's like what you want to do you want to party you want to go do this you want to travel what you want to do my, i spent my birthday at home i cooked some food uh I got me a little something to drink, and my me and my daughter was here. We didn't, you know, we didn't have anybody over, and I uh, spent my birthday watching TV, and I was at peace. I was finally at peace, like I was okay. You know what I mean? I, I was in my night clothes. I ain't had no makeup on. I wasn't depressed. I wasn't crying because I, you know, nobody was here. I was at peace, and that's when I realized. I said, "Girl, you finally got some peace." You know what I mean? Regardless of what it looks like, you know, and. Uh, you, I forgave myself, you know what I mean? And that's when I knew. I remember that day. I'll never forget. That was like one of the best birthdays I've ever had. Now, I done travel. I done party. I done had a table at everybody's club. You can imagine when I was younger. But uh, being at home in my night clothes, having a good old meal, watching TV and just enjoying myself and talking, running my mouth on my phone, on the phone with my girlfriend, that was, I was at peace. And that's when I realized then, okay, I forgave myself. I know better, I'll do better, you know what I mean? And be a better person and get people's boundaries. So it was, yeah, last year, December 31st. It took me a long time, but yeah. I think I finally got it. Got it. Tiana, why do you keep your towel? I keep my towel as a reminder of what I what I don't want to do, what I don't want to do and who I don't want to be. And I keep it as a reminder to always keep pushing. And every situation that we go through is not necessarily for us. It's for us to help other people. Um, we are the new ancestors. So we're creating a legacy and we want to know, we want to be sure that that legacy that we're passing down with our kids, uh, other family members is a positive one. We, you know, like. Our parents had their ways, we have our ways. And it's important for me to now, I don't want anybody to leave my presence not happy, knowing that they love and not knowing that they're enough. I don't care who it is. Um, I don't care if you don't want to talk. I don't care if you got an attitude that day. I want you to know if anybody, I love you. And I genuinely mean that. Like I, I'm, I love people. And uh, so I keep my towel as a reminder of who I don't want to be and that people, we need each other. We need that community. I don't have to be embarrassed about nothing that happened. I'm not the first. I'm not going to be the last, but I can help some people along the way. So, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. If you this do. was not an incredible sparring session, this was definitely it. And man, this was a good one. And yeah, I'm going to have to go and get an ice bath after this one. But hey, why not? Tiana. Go ahead. If there's any information, any last words you want to go ahead and let people know about, you got a podcast, you got social media. <laughs> my dear, the floor is yours. Okay. Well, my um podcast is called Unpacked Energy, Unpack Heal and Rebuild, and it's a, a podcast um geared towards women, but men can listen to it too. Don't don't feel left out, fellas. Um, but it's a, an empowerment podcast. We talk about everything: money, sex, uh, finances, work, uh, depression anything so i i, I kind of bear it out on that the embarrassing things that people don't want to talk about 
we on there talking about it because it needs to be talked about. If somebody wants to reach me, I'm always open to talk. My DMs are always open. I'm on Facebook. Uh, Facebook, my name is Tiana White. I do have Unpacked Energy on Facebook, but I'm more present on Instagram, which is at Unpacked Energy too. You know, send me a message, uh, like something, listen to the podcast, let's talk. If you want to talk about something, I'm my, I'm wide open. I keep my doors open for anybody. It don't matter. I don't sleep anyway. I'm, I'm up being nosy all the time. So I'm up listening to a podcast, um, trying to find out why the moon is white. I don't know. I'm on Google. You know what I mean? I'm always, I'm always up doing something, looking at why do cats have feet? I don't know. So just reach out to me. I make myself available. But I thank you for having me on. It was such a pleasure. I mean, this was fun. Oh, really that's fun. what's up, man. That's what's up. So, folks, I'm going to go ahead and put all that in the description box so you'll be able to go ahead and get a chance to reach her. And, y'all, fellas, if you go ahead and get at her and you slide in the DM, the woman is engaged. Leave her alone. Don't don't mess with her. All right? <laughs> just letting you know. I'm trying to help you out. All right? So, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Tiana, you have survived Boogie's Gym and this Sparring session is officially over. And ladies and gentlemen, you already know how this goes. You heard Tiana's story. She made a decision. And as she said, her one decision of getting that waist loss surgery, who'd have thought, had an expanding, expanding mm. effect. And you know what? She had to go ahead and take on many, many, many opponents. But she didn't throw in her towel. Even when she tried, she couldn't. So, like I always tell you, wipe the blood, wipe the sweat, wipe the tears. But whatever you do, don't throw in your towel. This is your man, Aunt Boogie. I'll check you when I check you. I'll see you when I see you. We are out of here. Peace. <laughs>